Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry so you can do church better. I'm your co-host, Chris Wesley, joined by John Ronaldo. John, how's it going, sir? It's wonderful. We are so close to Christmas. I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, man, it is hard to believe. And that sounds so fake because we're recording before Thanksgiving. You know <laughs> Why do you got to do that? Why do you got to do that? They I got to be, be real. I, I value our uh, listenership and being authentic and true and real. But you know what? I'm just a liar. I just like to lie. That's what it is. John, you know what? No, no. John John cannot lie. Um, John is uh, one of the most integral and honest people I know. And, uh, you know, it's actually interesting because uh, we were having this conversation not too long ago. People are playing Christmas music, right? It's before Thanksgiving. some people in my neighborhood have actually decorated their houses already. I noticed that the supermarkets are selling Christmas trees uh, here in Baltimore. Um, it's it's a little obnoxious, but I, I don't know. What what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, it, it's commercialism. It is what it is. Whatever. I, you know, I don't care. Uh, you know, I... Uh, I, 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 we wait till after Thanksgiving, right? You know, that's our thing uh, for, for all the Christmas movies and music and decorations and stuff like that. It usually happens right after Thanksgiving. And, uh, uh, but it is, it, look, I, I get it. I, I can now much better understand why people don't mind listening to Christmas music come November 1st or whatever, because like, there's something about it. Like it's, it's the holiday spirit and like, it's a lot of people's favorite time of year. And so, why keep it to a month, a month and a half, if we can have it for two and a half months? If I, Look, I'm okay with that. I totally get it. I don't do it, but I love you whether you do it or not. So go for it. <laughs> See, I told you guys, John is uh, filled with integrity and authenticity. <laughs> He's like a child at Christmas, lots to anticipate. I am. Um, you know, but uh, it's interesting um, because uh, – when it comes to this time of year, there's lots of expectations. And in our last previous episode, we talked about expectations with coworkers and uh, you know uh, them living up to their to their worth and their value. Um, but let's let, let's talk about um, not our coworkers, but let's talk about parishioners. Let's talk about when people are part of your parish. What's the expectation that you have towards them? What um, are the things that you expect of them? What are the things that you want your parishioners to do because you know if you think about it all they're thinking at least most of them if they've never been told otherwise is that they got to go to church on sunday attend mass receive the eucharist and then maybe they're done unless they have kids and those kids have to go to you know faith formation or religious ed and but other than that what else is expected of someone who belongs to the local Catholic church? Yeah. So, no, John, I, I, what are your thoughts? I, I think it's a great conversation. I'm actually excited about this particular episode because I'm not even sure the expectation is clear about mass attendance or having your kids sign up for faith formation. Right. You know? uh, and, and certainly the expectation is, you know, yeah, maybe receive Eucharist, but we can leave right after we receive Eucharist. Right. We don't have to stick around for the prayer after communion and the, the dismissal, right? That's okay, right, Chris? I can do yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, especially <laughs> if there's an announcement and the announcement has nothing to do with Jesus, like you can leave during that time. Yeah, yeah forget the sure. announcement. Who cares? Yeah, so, yeah. That's so funny. Well, Look, we, we love to pick up people that, that leave early, but you know what? I have done it on a, a few occasions for, well, what I would say legitimate reasons, but maybe they're not so legitimate. But I understand why why people do it, uh, but we like to, to give them a hard time too. <laughs> 
John likes to give them a hard time. He stands at the door and with his arms crossed and counts them as they leave. But we lock the door so no one can leave. (laughs) Well, actually, you know, um, in all seriousness, uh, so the previous pastor at Nativity um, was notorious for standing at the front door waiting for late parishioners to come in and giving them one-liners about being late to mass. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was like one of those things where uh, you people stopped coming to the church because uh, they just felt like they, they ridiculed. And just for clarity, that was the pre, that's not the current pastor. That's the previous pastor. That is so, pretty and um, I have to say, like, as someone who has three young kids, look, we have been late a lot in this phase of life so i'm like one of those families it's just it's hard to get the kids out the door I, we work at it we are working on it i i swear to you we are <laughs> yeah and anyone who says uh well you should start early doesn't understand like you can start 45 minutes one week or 20 minutes the week before and how your kids throw a tantrum or act or get dressed or, you know it or it, throw up or throw up <laughs> immeasurable, immeasurable. But anyway, enough of our own pain. Um, so, you know, how do we create a culture where uh, not just your staff, but your parishioners are, you know, engaging in the way that you want them to engage, but also not setting like strict boundaries or guidelines where it's like, you know, you're either with us or you're against us, right? Because we, we don't want to set expectations where we create hoops to jump through or um, ask people to completely uh, change their lives in an unrealistic way. But we do wanna have um, expectations for people uh, that allow them to go and grow deeper in their faith. And, and so, uh, man, there's so many just different areas to start with. Uh, I guess, John, do you wanna start with like mass attendance or, or just mass in general? Well, let's, 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 let's say this, right? Someone registers the parish and what do we send them, right? You mm-hmm. know, if someone's new to the parish, you know, and, and we send them, maybe we, we have a welcome letter, right? And that's something to look at if you don't have some sort of welcome letter or like that. And then we send them giving envelopes right away, right? And that's, that's in many parishes, that's the extent of their welcome, uh, and their the expectations, right? You know, and sometimes you get the envelopes because they're managed by a third party usually before you get a welcome letter. And what does that communicate to these people, you know, who are signing on board? Um, but but I think the reality is we 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 feel like I feel like church doesn't want to put expectations on people because we don't want them to leave. We don't want them to feel burdened about their church experience. But think about what I just said. We don't want them to be burdened by the church experience, so therefore we don't expect anything from them. Yet discipleship means carrying a burden, right? Uh, the, the burden of Christ, right? Our cross, right? That type of imagery is that there's an expectation of being a disciple, that if we are truly active, intentional disciples, God has expectations of us and how we act on that. Church is, is mitigating against God's expectations in the sense that we just want people to come. You know, we don't want to, to scare people away um, by giving them expectations. But look, the reality is 
we're not giving expectations and people are still leaving. So I'm not sure that's an adequate argument, but I think that's where a lot of people are at, Chris. Like, I don't want to give expectations. I don't want to expect all these things because we don't want to scare them away. But a lot of people are not coming already. And quite honestly, there's, there's plenty of research and there's certainly other churches that we can look at that, that, that see when expectations are clear as we talked a little bit about that last episode, right? When expectations are clear and we raise that level of expectations, parishioners meet it and they come and yeah. those churches are growing. Right. And you, you've been, I know Chris, you've been part of those, some of those trainings and some of these non-Catholic churches who are very intentional about those types of things. So, so that's where I start. I, I think we need to get rid of this idea. It's like, we don't want to burden people. We just want to make sure that they come to mass and, and they give. Um, but the results of that is there's no good positive results from not giving expectations. So I think we need to put that aside. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think that's a huge myth that we buy into. And when we hear that pushback about expectations, people, uh, it's from a few uh, people, not from the majority. And so we have to be careful about that. Uh, you know, we can talk about churches and the expectations that they set. Um, and I definitely worked for uh, one that had very clear expectations of what they had for the parishioners. But I think a place that you can start is actually um, look at different organizations that are killing it with their membership. You know, for example, CrossFit. Um, anyone who's been ever to a CrossFit gym or done CrossFit exercises will tell you that it's one of the hardest things that they'll ever do. Um, even groups that do dieting, you know, or um, or yoga studios or, or, or things along those lines that aren't necessarily, uh, you know, Christ-centered, that they're based off of some kind of health, health and, and well-being. Um, one of the reasons why people will go back is because there is a clear expectation of what is expected of them and what's expected for them. And, and I think one of the problems is when people come to a church, you know, uh, we think about, okay, what do we want from them? but we don't necessarily think about what we want for them. And so if you're really scared or nervous about laying out expectations because you don't want people to jump through hoops or, you know, resent what the church is asking of them, you know, then think about, okay, what are some of the things that we want for our parishioners? And that's something that really helped us at Nativity, um, you know, when I was working there. Uh, what we wanted for people is we wanted people to be connected into uh, Christ-centered relationships because we knew that Christ-centered relationships would be where they would experience iron sharpening iron. You know, we wanted them to be a part of a, a weekend experience where they could really focus in and engage God. We wanted them serving in um, ministry and mission because we knew that that would help them discover their God-given purpose. You know, and so many times in churches, we're like, well, we want volunteers because we need help. Or we want people to give because we need money. And the problem with that attitude is um, it's all about me and it's not about we. And uh, the second thing is that's not an attractive expectation to lay out there. So I think whether it's new membership um, orientation or how you approach new members, whether it's faith formation or mass, the first question we have to ask ourselves as leaders is what do we want for the people? Mm -hmm. What do we want for them in this environment or experience or program? Right, absolutely. And, and, and that really connects with a lot of previous episodes, too, of us in terms of discipleship and how we move people through discipleship and whatnot, right? Uh, but, but 
I think it's essential to have that conversation because it's not, again, it's not about giving, but it's about who do we want them to become, right? And who do we want them to know Christ? And, and what do we want them to become? Disciples, right? And so what does that look like? How do we help them do that? So what do we want for them? I really love that language. What do we want from them versus what do we want for them? I think that's a great lens to look at everything that we do. And, and I think part of this is, is, looking at how we welcome people into the parish community. Uh, a lot of the parishes I work with in my coaching right now, inevitably the issue of welcoming and hospitality comes up uh, as, as an area of focus of priority. And that's almost across the board, that seems to be a reality. And that's good. I think that's a great thing. And, and to have some intentionality around it. One of the things that, that I'm being inspired to really talk about is, is well, uh, we get a committee together from that parish to, to take a look at, you know, a welcoming hospitality, what that looks like, you know, how do we welcome people? And, and, and one of the conversations that I want to start having more on is expectations, right? And so I think it'd be really great to get a, a, a committee of, of staff and volunteers from your parish uh, and start having that conversation, right? You know, of these expectations. And then, you know, what does that look like? And then how do we start to uh, how do we start to manifest that into a reality for us as a parish? And what does that look like when it comes to the welcome letter that we send and how we preach about it and the, maybe even how we do the bulletin, right? I think there's lots of ways that we can go about it. But you mentioned kind of new member orientations, right? That is that is something that a lot of Catholic churches don't really do. And But I think the more I think on and reflect on it and experience that reality, I think that's something that's necessary. I, I think we need to look at how do we do these orientations so that we can talk about expectations? And, and Chris, it's not just about what we expect from parishes or from parishioners, but what can parishioners expect from us as a parish too? Because it is a, it's a, it's a both way relationship. It's a two way relationship in terms of how we connect with folks on those types of things. And, and part of this conversation is, is inspired by a certain section of James, uh, Father James Mallon's book, Divine Renovation. There's one aspect in chapter five that he talks about clear expectations. Right. Uh, and I think it's a really even just that small section, that's like a few pages long, right, is worth the read, you know. And if, if you have that book, open it up and take a look at what James Mallon's talk about with expectations because I think there's some good stuff there. Become some good fodder for that conversation to get going with that committee or that team that you, you might develop for this. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And um, that's a great book. Um, and, of course, uh, I, I have to recommend Rebuilt as well because uh, there's some really good stuff in that and having lived that as well. You know, I, I go back and forth on new member orientations because I think those can be really tricky to do and pull off. And, and you know, maybe that new member orientation is a conversation for a whole nother podcast episode. But I like what you said in, in regards to it's not just what do we expect of parishioners, but what can they expect of us? And I think there has to be a forum in which you do that. Does a new member orientation work? Yes, it's an easy sort of thing to set up where, or I should say a simple thing to set up where you expect everyone to come to this and, and that's where you uh, share that information. Can you do that in other ways? Of course, you can do that on your website. You know, what is your website? Uh, clarify um, for people of what they can expect from you. What kind of experience can they expect? What kind of um, programs, um, opportunities can they expect? And how do you communicate to them what you expect of them? One way you can do that is uh, parishioner testimonies. Have people who are parishioners that come on uh, do a little video, put it on YouTube or Vimeo or something like that, post it on your website of like what their experience and how they grew in their faith 
um, looks like because once they see examples, then they're going to be like, oh, this is what the parish, this is what I can expect, and this is what the parish expects of me. Uh, you can do that in the homily. Um, you can do that if you're in faith formation or religious ed at your information meetings. You can do that, um, you know, before you do a training for any of your volunteers. You can do that from the pulpit. There are so many different ways where you can lay out expectations of what you want for your parishioners and, um, and, and make those clear. And, and, and I would say there's actually no one way. Um, if anything, it has to be a part of your communication plan. How are you, you communicating that? And that goes back to, you know, again, one of the first things that I mentioned, which is, you know, what do you want for your parishioners? But then secondly, also, how clear is your identity, your, um, yeah, your identity as a parish? You know, what's your mission? What's your vision? Because if you can clearly communicate your mission and vision, and if you can clearly communicate to people what you want for them, then people will start behaving and acting in that way. Um, so, so that I would say that's the general scope. And again, we could talk about new member orientations, but there's a couple of other things where uh, other ways that I'd like to throw out there, John, that I think can, can definitely help. Um, all right. So what was it? 2008 when we did all the mass changes, like to the liturgy uh, and everything uh, like that? It's 2010. Yeah. 2010. Oh. 2010. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that was a time where all the language in the mass was changing, right? And it probably- Consubstantial, my favorite word. Consubstantial. And, uh, you know, um, instead of peace be with you, uh, you know, it was, um, you know, and also with you, it was in your spirit. You know, all the different changes started to take place. What we did as a parish, and this is when I was at Nativity, is we designed a whole message series on the mass. And not only did we talk about these changes that took place, but we also addressed- situations that I think had been driving us crazy forever. One, which we mentioned at the beginning, is leaving Mass early, right? When's the best time to leave Mass? Um, which sounds like a, a weird way of asking it, but, you know, that's where we talked about how the final blessing is not the end, that the last note, the last uh, verse of the closing hymn was actually the end of Mass. Now, we didn't say that people had to stay until that point in order to earn or achieve salvation. But we just clarified the fact that mass ends at that point, just like how we had to clarify that, you know, people who show up before the God, you know, there's always like, if I show up before the gospel, I can still receive communion. Right. And we clarified to people, no, that's not true. Like it, it's not a, if I can squeeze in at least one reading and a homily, then, you know, and then leave right at the after communion that I've got complete mass. There's no abridged mass, right? The mass is the mass. It starts with opening him and it, or opening greeting, and it closes with um, uh, the closing hymn. So, um, you know, that's something that we did in a message series. We kind of made light of it. We made fun of it, um, uh, of some of those things. Uh, but we also re-educated people on how to behave during mass. We also talked about singing during music, right? Like, that's a huge thing. I, I've heard liturgical, um, musically, uh, sorry, directors of music and, and liturgy, um, you know, lament about this, where people aren't singing, people aren't participating in the music. And there's different things you can do, whether it's screens or booklets or, you know, just better music. But, you know, it was during the series, too, where we could re-educate people that, hey, singing is a form of prayer. Uh, it's a form of participating in the Mass. Mass is not one-sided. It's a fully engaging environment, uh, fully engaging experience uh, right there. 
So I would say um, whether it's how you participate in mass, getting involved in ministry, becoming members, giving, you know, whatever it might be, make a message series out of it, put it in the homily, um, because that's when you probably have your most captive audience. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, and I think that's a real important piece. Uh, but again, you know, the first step is really being clear on what what those what those expectations are. And and Chris, if I could, just to kind of get people's thinking, I, I'd like to share uh, what James Mallon shared in Divine Renovation, not in heavy detail, it. but but I just to give those of us who are on the podcast, you know, here uh, some fodder in terms of what to think about. So, you know, they they have five expectations. You know, and that's it. Like that's that, that I like, by the way, you're like you don't need a million expectations. We need you to do this and we need you to do that and do this. That, that. That's not the whole point. The first one they says to worship. Right. And they emphasize the Sunday experience. Right. That's that's number one. The second expectation is to grow. Right. So what does that grow? I mean, learning, growing, being involved in faith formation, uh, Bible studies, you know, things like that. Right. Third expectation is to serve. How do we serve? Not just justice and community service types of things, but also serving within the community as well, right? As volunteering, things like that. The fourth expectation is to connect. How do you build community, small group ministries, things like those, alphas, things like that, right? And then the fifth expectation is to give. Time, talent, treasure, right? You know, uh, and, and it's very clear. And But they, you know, James Mallon, Divine Renovation, kind of uh, breaks that open a little bit. Um, but I love those five things. And I think that honestly, like, look, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Like if that, you know, if that really inspires you, then, then, then take that to your team that you're going to develop to talk about expectations and, and flush that out. What does that mean for you as a parish? Uh, you know, when you look at those five things, uh, again, I do recommend divine renovation. It's a really good read. Uh, I can't speak more highly about it. I actually, that's a signed text for one of my university classes I teach at the master's level. So uh, it's a good read. So that's a side note, but definitely pick it up. Awesome. Awesome. Well, if John Ronaldo uh, recommends it, then it is a must read. Uh, definitely there. He's the Oprah of church world. Uh, <laughs> hey, there's now, an idea. We should do something like that. <laughs> we should. We should actually um, build a, a church podcast recommendation reading list. Um, so, can I yeah. just take a picture of my bookshelf and say, read all this? You know, can we do that? Um, no, that maybe. might be overwhelming. I that might be overwhelming. I, I, I would have to look at your, uh, your, your shelf again and make sure that at least my two are on there. No, I know my two are on there. Yes, they are on there, by the way. Yeah, I, I stuck a couple more on there last time I visited, too. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway. Um, I had multiple copies of your book. How did that happen? Yeah, what? Huh. Um, but no, in all seriousness, yeah, um, Divine Renovation is is definitely a, a good book to read on that. And the expectations of, yeah, how we want you to behave with time, talent, and treasure, I think is essential. It's key. Um, you know, uh, in addition to new members orientation, um, homilies or message series, uh, the other thing is in the training of your volunteers. Because if you are the pastor, you can advocate this. You can talk about this until you're blue in the face. Um, but you need to share the burden of um, preaching and uh, teaching these expectations. And so one of the best places you can do that is with your key um, contributors, your key uh, volunteers, your top leaders, your staff, and make sure that they're living out those same principles that you expect the parishioners. Because, uh, you know, some people might just look at you as a pastor and might be like, you know what, you're a priest, 
you're married to this. This is what your vocation, your calling is. That's not for me. Um, and uh, that's where you need other people to model uh, those expectations. And before I talked about capturing testimonies and putting them on the website, capture those stories, share those wins, celebrate how people's lives are being changed because they're engaging in church in the way that, you know, Christ meant it to be or, or, or the way that, you know, God's calling your church to engage. And if you don't share those stories, if you don't share those models, people are not going to know. People do not inherently wake up one day being like, oh, I go to mass because of this. And I serve in a ministry because of this. And I give because of that. You need testimonies. You need, you need witnessing. You need sharing. And that comes from, you know, sharing that with your leaders and your, your top advocates and, uh, and your volunteers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I just think this is a great conversation to have. It's one that I'm starting to integrate more in my own coaching as well with parishes about expectations. And again, we, we haven't even talked about what parishioners can expect from the parish. And maybe that's a, maybe that's a part two, Chris. And I, you know, maybe I'll call an audible on that and say, Hey, we need to do that sooner rather than later. Um, because I think that would be a good, a good conversation to have too. It's like, it needs to be both ends. It can't just be one or the other. We need to have clear expectations on both ends, you know, and what a parish that's registered or a parishioner that's registering with us, what are they going to, what can they expect from us as a staff, as a parish? And I think that's a great conversation to have too. So Maybe we're going to have a, a part two here at some point, Chris. Definitely, definitely. Well, if you guys uh, want to talk more about this or reach out to us, you can definitely do that through the website, thechurchpodcast.org. You can shoot us questions at questions at thechurchpodcast.org. But say you just want to talk with John. Uh, John, how can people reach out to you? I don't know why you would just want to talk with me because Chris is much more entertaining than I am. But you can find out more at the parishsuccessgroup.com or reach out to me on, on Twitter at John Ronaldo. Yes, yes, I am more entertaining, but John is a pleasant conversation. But if you wanted to just talk to me and be entertained, you can find me at marathonyouthministry.com or uh, anything social media, Marathon Youth Ministry or Chris R. Wesley. Uh, and again, go to our iTunes uh, you know, page and leave a review. Share us with your friends. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us how awesome we're doing. We would absolutely love that. And uh, yeah, if you want to visit past episodes, go to thechurchpodcast.org. John, it was a pleasure having this conversation with you. I only expect the best and you always surpass those expectations. Um, and, uh, and so I thank you very much. And uh, let's close this thing out with a prayer. May Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for uh, just the, not only the experience of church, um, but the presence of church, the presence of, uh, of how you work in and around us and through us as a church, Lord. And, and God, I, I pray that um, every local parish, every local church can be a beacon of hope, can be a place where faith is renewed and restored, where we continually fall in love with you over and over again. And Lord, that we are commissioned to go and make disciples. God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for guiding us. And thank you so much for calling us to be a church. We love you in your name and your prayer.